ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the You Mad Bro podcast, and I warn you of mature content ahead. This show aims to tackle controversial topics going on in the world on a week-to-week basis. The platform of this program is opinionated and occasionally supported by examples and facts, but does not ever aim to be definite. That being said, the views offered by our hosts and guests are not intended to offend or hurt the feelings of any person, no matter their race, gender, sexual orientation, political viewpoint, etc., They only serve as catalysts for poor attempts at humor and maybe a different way of thinking. If you're such an individual that is easily offended or cannot handle your own viewpoints being challenged, you've been adequately warned to not participate. If you're still with us, then please stand, kneel, or lay down. Just be sure to remove your ball caps for the national anthem. What? You mad, bro? It's always doing a burning impressions. You or me? Uh, I'd love to hear yours. Oh god, I have to, I have to, I have to get, I have to practice that. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. Everyone, settle down, settle down. Bernie Sanders. Uh, I'm all flustered. <laughs> Everybody, settle down. <laughs> settle down right now. <laughs> I'm being mysterious, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Everyone settle down, settle down. We are back. Nash, stop chuckling over there. I hate when you chuckle my intro. Uh, this is the You Mad Bro podcast on ambiguousfortune.com on the ambiguous network. Because it's so abrupt. This comes out of nowhere. You don't even you it see it coming and you know it's coming. Um, this week is an exciting week. Another one hour show on one topic, Nash. I need Phil DeFranco here to come back so I can get more topics. <laughs> that is why I was stretching this out as the real reason. But if you want to bitch at me, you can go on ambiguousproduction.com and find our podcast, You Mad Bro Pod, on Instagram, You Mad Bro Podcast, on Facebook. If you want to be a guest on the show, feel free to drop a like and comment and just let us know. And you can be a guest on the show. All of your points are um, welcome, but to be criticized. I, of course, am Will Parrish with T.S. Thomas, A R A S H U K, joined by the man himself, Nash Morer. It's more with er. <laughs> It's like there's more er of you. <laughs> What's up, buddy? How you doing? <laughs> What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. Living life. Um, Getting ready for this move. Yeah, slowly yeah. but surely. It's going to be a grand old time. I can't wait till we do this podcast in person with video. It's going to be either amazing or the downfall of us all. Um it's gonna Probably be it's, it's it's gonna it's gonna be an Aerosmith song or a Day to Remember song. Either way. Pretty good. <laughs> New Aerosmith. <laughs> New Aerosmith. Ew. All right. So as I mentioned, we are talking all about Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's saga. Um, the media covering this like it's literally like it's high, high school gossip column. All right. It was this was this was in CNN zine. <laughs> the high school zine. And we're going to talk about um, all that coverage, you know, the history of – but first, before we do that, we have a hashtag Nash tag of the history of Bernie Sanders in the DNC, mainly back in 2016 when um, the DNC screwed him out of the nomination, leading Hillary Clinton to lose um, technically. So Nash, give us the hashtag Nash tag of the history of Bernie Sanders, the man from New Hampshire, and the DNC screwing him out of the election. Well, man, where do we begin? WikiLeaks. That's why you read first. Yeah, no, it says I can read it. <laughs> so, um, a lot of people may remember how Bernie Sanders, his campaign, his campaign manager is probably the most vocal about it, felt that the DNC was sort of giving him the cold shoulder, that they were putting him on 
uh, weekend shows where nobody would actually be watching him when he was, I believe, at the time, polling the highest out of all the Democratic nominees. He was the feel the burn. Yeah was humongous in uh, like 2016. I remember being in a polit- political cl- p- politics class in college um, and everybody just kept saying, feel the burn, feel the burn. I was like, oh, I like this. I can get on burn with this. And I Googled Bernie Sanders. I'm like, ew, <laughs> <You got hair."> <laughs> <laughs> Well, those accusations became fact when uh, WikiLeaks, gotta love WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks released uh, 20,000 DNC emails to and from uh, upper level DNC committee members, and the thing about this database, you could like type things in and search it. Like it was, it was, it was the whole kit and caboodle. Like he got everything with this WikiLeaks drop. And so the biggest, well, it sort of started off where you had communications director Mark Patzenbach, uh, was sort of dismissing all these claims. And saying that Hillary was doing better when it was just factually evident that she wasn't. Um, That sort of is the beginning of the bias that we see. And then it turns more to Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Florida. And that was the one that they had targeted on the DNC uh, that Bernie's campaign manager had targeted on CNN saying like she was to blame because she was essentially in charge of it. Um. But the emails revealed a lot sort of more than that, because it made it clear that the that they were listening to the Clintons. But sort of then the question of why, why are they listening to the Clintons? And it's I don't know, Nash. I miss I'm a former president and I'm a little frisky (laughs) in the bedroom. You know, you know, you know. (laughs) Well, what happened was the. uh. Clintons bought out the DNC, plain and simple. Of course they did. So uh, this came from uh, Donnie Brazil or Brazil. Let's just go with Brazil because you know the DNC is no, in no way, shape, or form corrupt in that at all. No, corruption started when Trump came into office. So he was the interim chair, which means it's not uh, not an election season. Um, And he found that Schultz... Uh, the representative from Florida had not actively sought after donations as the party needed while she was in charge of the DNC. Um, Most of that started during Obama's term as president, which, you know, all that time not collecting money sort of left the party in a lot of debt, debt that got resolved by the Clintons. But the Clintons kept the DNC on a very tight budget. They gave them, I think, $10 million dollars. And then they would give them an allowance every month just so they would, so they would have just enough. Uh, Brazil said Debbie was not a good manager. She hadn't been very interested in controlling the party. She let Clinton's head Clinton's headquarters in Brooklyn do as it so desired. So she didn't have to inform the party officers how bad the situation was, how much control Brooklyn had for how long is still something I've been trying to uncover for the last few weeks. Officials from Hillary's campaign had taken a look at the DNC's books. Obama left the party $24 million in debt, $15 million in bank debt, and more than $8 million owed to vendors after the 2012 campaign. Thanks, Obama. And had been paying that off, and had been paying that off very slowly. Obama's campaign was not scheduled to pay it off until 2016. 
Hillary for America, the campaign and Hillary Victory Fund, its joint fundraising vehicle with the DNC, had taken care of 80 percent of the remaining debt in 2016, about 10 million dollars, and had placed the party on an allowance. So essentially, Schultz didn't inform any of the committee members about what was going on within the party. She just would sort of tell them what decision had been taken after the fact when typically it's sort of I mean, it's a committee. So it's a group of people sort of talking about what's going on. But she didn't do that. She let it as sort of the sole owner of it. It's like, here's what already happened. Your voice means nothing. Exactly. And oh, that's, that's just not, that's the not, feel. That doesn't sound good at all. What's the point of a committee then? <laughs> and so that's what, you know, that's the feeling that Brazil got from the whole thing. Um, so the fears brought up by the Clinton campaign were accurate in 2016. She controlled the DNC by bankrolling it and most of its debt, offering a small cash flow for it to continue. The important difference is how the DNC was operated compared to the past. Schultz had taken funding raised. Okay. Schultz had taken funding raised from smaller campaigns across the country and used it to fuel the Clinton election, which was the exact opposite of what she publicly announced, where it was all about your campaign does well. We all do well. But that just wasn't the case. It was, I think, around less than one percent of the actual funding raised. Somebody like a mayor campaign would actually receive. So imagine doing all of that sort of like work for yourself to get this much money in, and you don't even see one percent of. It. And then she loses. Yeah. So <laughs> typically the DNC is operated under the presidential nominee. After they're confirmed. Until then, it's essentially led by this committee or the previous winner. Right. Because then if, if you, they're if running, you, if you get the nomination, you're essentially in control of the DNC or the RNC for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically talking about the DNC. Yeah. You're you're essentially the chairman of it. OK. That, that makes sense. Which makes so then, sense. Then, you, then you then rule over the committee. Yeah, essentially. So Hillary was ruling over the committee without getting the nomination. Exactly. Hillary that contributions super illegal. Hillary contributions came four months before her announcement to run. So that made her the leader of the DNC before she was even running. So she literally just bought out her competition. Exactly. She bought it out. And it's like you look at Obama, it was easy. You didn't need a lot of it was a pretty organized control because Obama was president for two terms. So you didn't right. have any dispute. It was remained consistent. No, no a question. If the if the if the Democrat runs a DNC and then she he or she gets elected to president, is he or she no longer in control? Of the DNC it goes back to the committee. No, they're they're still in control. But the DNC, that's the thing about the interim period when there's not an election going on. That's usually when the DNC sort of cuts back on everything because you don't need to spend all that ridiculous money on nationwide campaigns. You only need the smaller campaigns, and those are typically locally funded. But when uh, Schultz was in charge, that just wasn't the case. The local campaigns weren't getting funded. Mm. Well, yeah, no one no one donates to the DNC. Like, yeah. I, I, I heard this the other day. I believe it was a Joe Rogan podcast. I'm not 100% sure, but I did Google it 
to uh, get a source. It's BuzzFeed, so take that for what you will. Um, but essentially, because no one donates to the DNC, if you want to run as a Democrat and get access to the Democrats' 50-state voter file, which you know is a crucial database, you have to donate or essentially pay $175,000 to the DNC in order to get access to that database in order to run as a Democrat. Good God. Yeah, right? Good God is right. So you have, you have like these people who pride themselves, um, mostly Democrats, like campaigning on small funds. We're not backed by big corporations. We're not, we like, we are the working people. A dollar here, a dollar there. We are founded by the people. So how the fuck do you donate $175,000 to the DNC, which is, you know, sounds like a corporation that backed your campaign. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of the biggest thing, because we're not just those. My uh, counterpart here isn't just making that quotes up. That's literally what Schultz was saying, that these campaigns are, you know, if you can fund it, that's how we succeed by funding these local ones. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that the opposite happened from the DNC. They took all that money to fuel the Hillary's campaign. So how does this directly relate to Bernie? Well, it ensures that he doesn't get the nomination right. from the DNC. Because he pretty much was in favor to win the election. He was the favorite. He was probably going to win. Now, we can't directly – I don't think anyone can directly prove that he would have won. But this can pretty much prove that is the reason – a good reason why he didn't win. It almost it guaranteed yeah. that he wouldn't oh, win. Yeah. Or, or, or anyone else for that matter, whoever was running back then. Um, I don't personally remember the big field of um, – I know Warren didn't the big, run. Well, the big two were Clinton and Bernie. Yeah, and I thought I'm okay. I, but thoughts on Bernie Sanders as a whole? I do not dislike Bernie Sanders. Like if his ideas are a little crazy on how to fix these problems, but when you hear him speak about the problems, like this is a guy who has been in politics for a very, very long time, and I think from what I've researched, he has stuck to his guns. For the majority of the time, right? Yeah, like he, he's he's he doesn't really go back on what he says. I don't think. Yeah, he strikes he, he fundamentally the as, same. He strikes me as honest, and if he got nomination twenty sixteen, I highly believe without a shadow of a doubt he would have beaten Trump, and I probably would have voted for him at the time in twenty sixteen, um, because Trump was just such a bad choice. But Hillary was also just such an equally bad choice for different reasons, in my personal opinion. So I didn't vote for either of them, personally. Um, now, up to 2020, I would not vote for Bernie. I think he is a bad candidate. I think he is – his solutions to these problems, I think, are too unrealistic. While the problems do exist, I just disagree with his policies to fix them. Um, also, because if he won a nomination and even got elected – we would have four years of literally nothing happening. And by that I mean is like our tires would just be sk skirting in the mud because nothing he would propose would ever get past Congress. Yeah, because it's not a big thing because his things are pretty radical spending wise. It's a ridiculous amount of money for his solutions that aren't necessarily solutions or his – idea that he thinks it'll help 
but that's a lot, you know, it's a ridiculous amount of money to burn in a system that has never worked. Like he, <laughs> he, he wants, he wants to do everything for the right reason. It's just government is, in my opinion, government is not the solution to these problems. Cause let me, let me, let me just break this down for people who are super strong on big government. Can we all agree that people in government are corrupt? Left, right, center. If you are a career politician, you're most likely corrupt. Let's not forget Nancy Pelosi was a Republican until she was 47 years old. Right? Yeah. And now she is the Speaker of the House and a quote unquote, I'm quoting here, a proud Democrat. So if you're a career politician and she's worth $100 million, how is she worth $100 million? Please someone explain that one as, to me. As a career politician. As yeah. a career politician who doesn't make that much money, like by salary. Right. And you can say you could you could point that finger at a lot of politicians on both sides of the aisle um, because power is just naturally corrupt and the government is naturally corrupt. It has been so since forever. Remember the 60s? Yeah. I wasn't there, but I've heard it was pretty corrupt. And before. <laughs> so we can all agree government is corrupt in one way, shape or form. So why in your right mind would you possibly think that more of that will fix the problem? No, I think that's totally accurate. The I mean, that is that, that is that is very basic and fundamental way of thinking. It, it is a lot more deeper and in depth than that. There's a lot more to it than this kind of a blanket statement. But at its core principle, government's not really good at many things, and there's plenty of proof to show that what government's really good at is defending us from a foreign government. Yeah, which I personally I think it should be the government's main function: protect us from other governments. The states should protect its own people, in my opinion. And local yeah, so governments and local government is the most important government of all. Yeah. You're starting to sound like a classic Republican now, Daffy. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I swear I'm not right wing. Um because I don't I don't I don't view like the Republican way on all issues. Um it gets muddied a lot. Um like when it comes to, I'm trying to think of something I'm super left on. I don't know. <laughs> someone, someone, have to, someone, someone would have to bring it up to me. Um, like, like I, I do agree. Like, I don't think we should get rid of all government programs. Like, if I, I do believe in privatized healthcare, but that doesn't mean Medicare, or Medicaid shouldn't exist. There should be some form of government. Healthcare. There should be some form of government education, sure. But to make it yeah. all government, what do you got your fucking mind? That sounds like a terrible idea. It's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good. I promise. It's not you. gonna be good. Right. So national Name um, one thing. Name name one thing that the government does right on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> be corrupt. <laughs> well, if, 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 yeah. I'm, if, if I'm taking a line from you, Nash, it's hiding money. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> They're pretty good at hiding money. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think the exact same scenario that you said. If Bernie Sanders was elected, it would just be a stalemate forever. Or just the, the Senate and the House, I just don't think they would. So that go leads for really us. Anything. <clears throat> yeah. That leads us to the rest of the rest of the the, uh, the field here. Nash, do you see anyone in this Democratic Party, uh, the Democratic p people running, that I'm not going to say has a chance because the people we would say don't have a chance, but people you think would 
be less of a stalemate and actually get something done and get this fucking Oompa Loompa out of office. Um, was Andrew Yang? You like Andrew Yang? I like Andrew Yang from the Democrats. Um, because his... When I heard the thing about how he just wanted to give, like, everybody a thousand dollars, I was like, that's kind of (laughs) dumb. Like, the second you do that, everything is just going to go up by about a thousand percent. (laughs) But what his plan is essentially to eliminate most of the welfare thing, welfare programs, and in their place, give everyone a thousand dollars. Now, what would that like? How okay, getting rid of all those programs? How that how would that affect like the standard way of life in America? That seems like that seems like a pretty bold statement to make, personally. Um, like how would you, how would you? This seems like a lot of repercussions that would come from doing that. That's a thousand dollars a month wouldn't solve. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, well, well, here's the thing. By doing that, you're first off, you're saving a ridiculous amount of money from the U.S. government. And the second thing you're doing is you're streamlining every single process. Because you know what's how how it's really easy to make something corrupt? You add a bunch of layers and levels to it that nobody can really understand unless you've been doing it for a while. Whereas if the whole system is based around, okay, we just have to set up a group of government employees that can mail checks, the same check to every citizen. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Not, not, it's kind of hard to make that corrupt. I can see how you could make it corrupt, but it off the, right off the bat, it seems a lot easier than doing something like Medicaid where somebody could be faking their ailments or injuries. You know, mm-hmm. if you're getting workers comp and someone's just pretending to be injured. Oh, they're, they're injured so longer that, with a note from a doctor when like one doctor says they can work and the doctor says they can't. And of course, you're going to go by the doctor who says they can't. You if like for something like that, if you're looking for a specific answer medically one doctor can probably give you that another doctor you'll can probably be disagree. able yeah you'll probably be able to find that doctor you know how, many, you know how many lawsuits Whereas, there are about that i guarantee you thousands and so by doing that it sort of streamlines the whole thing to make it a lot more simple and you can't really blame anybody for how you spend that money other than yourself so it gets rid of a lot of guilt that goes on with people that have to like follow up to see how patients on things like on government programs are doing. Mm-hmm. My one main problem with government, um, with uh, universal basic income is that it's, I think it's a good idea for the right reasons. And it, the way he describes it, it sounds like it is feasible to my dumb mind. But when it comes to issues like this, I think it's very important to spring up unintended consequences, meaning how are people going to take advantage of this government or otherwise, or just entities. Like my first thing is, if I get $1,000 a month every single month, I can guarantee my rent's going up. Oh, no, exactly. If your rent is below $1,000, all the rent that's below $1,000 instantly becomes $1,000 because they know you have it. They know you have it. So that is my one thing. I feel like 
certain goods and services are going to immediately become more expensive because these companies and corporations know you have more money backed by the government. Like literally that's exactly what happened with college, college emissions. They gave you money backed by the government. So the prices skyrocketed. Yeah. Now, if there is something in there to kind of halt that, I do like Andrew Yang. I think he is very ahead of his time because he wrote a book, which I really much want to very much want to read. Um, after I finished The Godfather, which is like 800 pages. Not really. But um, he pretty much describes how, you know, 10 years from now, here is a list of jobs that's going to be going away by automation. Oh, yeah. that's. Takes, I mean, that, that that's a pretty crazy point because that is universally Republican-Democrat. That is something that everyone agrees upon. And it's something no one really talks about. It's something no one really talks about. And I think like, if you're talking about – I'm I, no, in the archives, I've brought it up. But that's sort of my biggest thing on illegal immigration is because a lot of those jobs in 10 years probably won't exist. Yeah, like truck drivers is a big one. And truck drivers are lobbying very hard to make sure their jobs stay. And, if, you know, what Yang fears is as the time gets closer, they're going to start getting violence, which may or may not happen. But. Yeah. At the same time, this is going to I mean, happen already- whether we like it or not. Like I am not in favor of halting like societal growth so these quote unquote low low skilled jobs can stay. Yeah, it's it's damaging to an economy. It's right. which damages like, everybody. Automation would be good for the economy. Like truck drivers, it's it's not a job as a growing society and an evolving society really needs. Sounds yeah, a little well, harsh, but it's true. Any needs well, anymore. I mean, you already, you already have states that have automated trucks driving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already happening. Like, but within 10 years, yeah. it's going to be almost 100%. So what do we do with those people? Because they're going to be unemployed in low-skilled labor. What exactly. happens? Exactly. So that was my sort of argument against illegal immigration is why, why do you want – like letting those people in – illegal immigrants to do those kinds of jobs looking down the road, it's going to become a lot worse because now they're not citizens. So they're undocumented and now they aren't going to have ways of earning money. Well, if you're a Democrat in certain States, they want to give them welfare and government, everything. They want to give them everything for free. And that's idiotic. And that's I know. why we should hire that's why we should elect Andrew Yang because he wouldn't. He'd give a thousand dollars if they're a U.S. citizen. Right? Alright. So I, that, I am part of the yeah. Yang gang, but unfortunately he is going to, I think he's going to drop out in the next month or so. Like he just, he doesn't he doesn't have enough support and Democrats don't want him to win because the DNC is corrupt. DNC wants Elizabeth Warren or Biden. I did like a while he dropped out a while ago was Hickenlooper. The tales of Hickenlooper in the uh, the in in the the lost archives. Yeah, in the archives. I liked Hickenlooper because he was, I believe, the governor of Colorado. And he believed in states' rights. And you might ask yourself, well, how do you know that? Or to what to what extent? So Colorado was like, what, the first state to legalize marijuana? Yep. I think he personally he he personally opposed that. The Why? governor personally, he just doesn't doesn't believe in it. But guess what? The people voted for it. And he said, yeah, that's their choice to make. 
Hmm. He, he didn't put, think he, that he put his personal beliefs aside because it's what his state wanted. He didn't believe that it should be a federal thing, that states should decide. And his state decided, even though he didn't want that. That's a good governor, then. Exactly. OK. That sounds like an honest guy. And no so wonder, we didn't, get, like no wonder, we, no wonder we didn't get very far. Um, <laughs> Pulse, <laughs> Pulse, personally, personally, I like Tulsi. Tulsi Gabbard is my gal. I think she is incredible um, because I listened to her. I'm going to go back to Joe Rogan again on the Joe Rogan podcast twice. So four to six hours of just listening to her she's, talk. She's from Hawaii. Um, is she the former? She was like in the armed service. Yes. She served two tours. She served twice in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, you know, she served. So she served her country. She knows the true meaning of war. And not only that, she knows why government is in war. Now, it's easy to say, yeah, war is bad. We shouldn't be there. But. She has the insight and like talks about how corrupt we are in fighting wars, how big business and big government wants war strictly for profit. And it's really kind of it's really fucked up. Like she's she like people have said that that's not a new thing, a new thought. But the way she talks about yeah. it and her policies and the way she thinks just from listening to her talk for six hours of honest, free form conversation, all just bullshit debates that's just scripted and fake in the loose segment that goes three or four minutes. She's comes across as incredibly honest, incredibly smart, and incredibly center. Like on the impeachment in Trump, right on the on her vote, it was like X amount voted yay, X amount voted nay, and she was the one woman who voted present. So, and she, I I don't wow. have the actual statement in front of me, but her statement when she said why she voted present was actually very telling again towards her character. She's like, I don't believe that this is the right thing to impeach. I'm not voting yes or no. She's like. Pretty much, this is a waste of time. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but yeah, I I strongly agree with her policies. I think she's a very strong woman. I think she'd be good in politics, and you know, she's done a great job with Hawaii. People forget about Hawaii is a thing. <laughs> aloha, um, aloha, right? <laughs> <Am I> right? <laughs> Oahu, Tito. Um, so yeah, she's she's my girl. Um, I just I think she's very strong, but I don't think she's going to last much longer either. Which is unfortunate because the DNC, the, the three people you want are the three most radical, and the other one's Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is – he's a career politician as you can get. I don't think he's had a job outside of politics. Which is this the, – the, the one person who should be president is the person who wants to be at the least. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Which is kind of yeah, fucked I up. Yeah, I think there's a there's a quote. Oh my god, it's like how do, how do you? Uh, oh my god, how do you? How do you? Or it's like how do you know someone's a good leader? They don't want to lead. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to do it. All right, but let's. That was a good hashtag. Hashtag in our thoughts. We've gone a half hour already, so we have a half hour to talk about Bernie Sanders told Elizabeth Warren in a private 2018 meeting that a woman can't win. That's a CNN headline. Um, <laughs> so you know it's credible. Um, you know, not even allegedly, not even possibly, just straight up he said it. This is something he factually said because they were there. Um, so. <sighs> Where to begin? <laughs> Let's go to the beginning. So the, those they are they are allegedly friends, um, Warren and Sanders, and the way they've been handling it, they've been handling this whole situation well and not well. 
which we'll get into. But the two agreed that they ultimately face each other as presidential candidates. They would remain civil and avoid attacking one another so as not to hurt the progressive movement. So for the better of the party, we aren't going to attack each other because we're friends. We both believe in the same thing pretty much. Um, they also this, this was when they met in 20, December of 2018. This is what they talked about. They also discussed how to be how to best take on President Donald Trump, and Warren laid out two main reasons she believed she would be a strong candidate. She could make a robust argument about the economy and earn broad support with the female voters. Sanders responded that he did not believe a woman could win. Like, that's all he said. <laughs> that is, I don't believe that a woman is, could win. She couldn't do is, it. That is word for word what's in this article. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren Just laid out... Dude, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna link to this article. I'm gonna link to this article. Does that even sound like something he'd say? Literally, okay. So, think a woman could do it. Elizabeth Warren said verbatim, "Here's what I'm gonna do." And all Bernie Sanders said was, "No, we can't win. Waste time. No, 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 no. No, woman can't win. I can't do it. Like, isn't isn't this framing might be the wrong word, but isn't CNN like?" Painting a clear Bad at their picture, job. like, <laughs> like they make it look like Bernie Sanders didn't say anything else. Also, they weren't there, and <laughs> and according to Warren, uh, just straight up said that Bernie Sanders said this. So Elizabeth Warren um, confirmed this. And CNN also reported she's got she's got the track record for being the most honest. So yeah, you know she's Native American, by the way. Um, she. <laughs> So she said, yes, this is true. And CNN also said four anonymous sources, three close to the conversation, and I guess one that gets close to her campaign. Um, oh, sorry. Meaning that based on uh, a four, a four people, two people Warren spoke with directly soon after the encounter and two people familiar with the meeting, which basically means four people who might not even exist because they're anonymous. Like for a story like this, What's I understand anonymous sources have a place in news for protecting people. That's fair. Like whistleblowers specifically. That's something I am very left on. I found one. One for me. But a story like this, this is this isn't news, Nash. This isn't news. It's not news. God, it's been a while. <laughs> so here is it has been a while. This is a this is a statement that Sanders denied the characterization of the meaning in a statement. Go ahead. Before we get into that, like how many major stories do you know that had only one source not a lot i watched the newsroom i I can't think of like any really major sort major news story that only had sort of one source because usually there's there'll be like one whistleblower but then it's like documents are released or they have the documents something like that so it ends up being two sources or something else to confirm like in uh uh what what do we uh do 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 Pentagon Papers you know you had the whistleblower and then you had all the documents that said that said what he was saying was true there you go boom boom diddy boom the guy that actually compiled the papers <clears throat> and what else what else do we have. Uh, uh, you know, Sanders came out and said, I'm just going to look for time, Nash. Uh, it's ludicrous to believe that the same meeting where Elizabeth Warren told me she was going to run for president, I would tell her that a woman can't win, he said. It's a sad that three weeks before the Iowa caucus in a year 
after that private conversation, staff who weren't in the room are lying about what happened. What I did say that night was that Donald Trump is a sexist, a racist, and a liar who would weaponize whatever he could. Do I believe that a woman can win in 2020? Of course. After all, Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump by 3 million votes in 2016. A woman couldn't do it. <laughs> People have pointed to the, uh, the clip in 1980 where Sanders looks like a cracked out uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates motion to one person. <laughs> Um, that he says a woman could have won back in 1980. So the fact that uh, CNN is reporting that um, Bernie Sanders would say this is one against his character, and two, her sources are Elizabeth Warren and Elizabeth, people Elizabeth Warren told. All right? <laughs> All right? <laughs> Those are their sources. And the article goes on to explain how Warren has dealt with sexism before in Massachusetts government, telling the people telling her she should smile more. Is that sexist? That's a whole conversation for another day. Because, you know, I tell I tell people go on air like our women correspondents at at my job. I go, um, you know, if you're trying to get a good point across, like you're trying to sound a certain way, smile. Like when you do voice acting, if you're trying to get a certain uh, cadence across, literally do the voice acting while you're smiling. It makes you sound more, makes you sound a certain way. So is that sexist? Maybe it could be it could be interpreted that way. Sure. And then the article also goes on to say that even though they agreed to a non-aggression pact. They're going to say how Bernie smeared the Warren campaign on Medicare for all and student loan debt. Now, you know, it's politics. That's the name of the game. Bernie wants to win. Of course, he's going to, you know, poke, poke holes in Lewis Warren's uh, arguments in the most respectful way because they're friends. Yeah. Like, is anything I said there ludicrous or crazy? No. I think at most, I think I think what it what it kind of sounds like is Bernie maybe was like explaining what would happen to a woman running against Trump. Yeah, like there's it's very possible that um, Sanders said something like this, or you know he said like it might be a difficult woman to win that this is being misconstrued or just played up because you know. You know, someone had a whole article saying how, you know, Elizabeth Warren is clearly making this up because her poll numbers are down. She needs a story in the media to get her poll numbers up. I don't I don't buy into stuff like that. You know, that's just so like he said, she said, like, it's just it's petty. It's petty politics. Yeah. Super petty. God, <laughs> that's in the clip of 1984. <laughs> A woman could do it. <laughs> <laughs> she could do it. I believe in it. She, she could do it. Do it easy. And this is this is just a clear example of CNN, you know, the most liberal news media outlet out there, maybe other than MSNBC, is just deliberately and quite obviously burying Bernie Sanders. Yeah. They're trying to again. Again. This poor guy, dude, he just wants to be president. That's all he wants. He just wants, he just wants, he <laughs> this just poor wants. guy. <laughs> right? So let's uh. let's go over to the debate because this didn't stop there. Because, of course, the Iowa caucus is in a few weeks. So I held a debate in Iowa. We are linking to a very specific YouTube video that CNN posted, by the way. I'm lo- I love shitting on CNN. It's so much fun. Um, the question comes up in the debate. And the moderator asks this moderator asks a very specific question to Bernie Sanders and a very specific question again to Elizabeth Warren. Compare and contrast the differences, if you will. Um, so, you know, this isn't biased reporting or anything. Here's the title of the video. 
<clears throat> Elizabeth Warren fires back at Bernie Sanders' denial about women candidates. <laughs> Dude, and the thing is, Daffy, because you've done some some journalism in college, haven't you? Some some some. I do have a journalism major. That? I have a journalism major. I'm gonna let me tell you, out of all the classes I took in journalism, about three of them were helpful. And uh, I bet a big thing they talked about a lot is headlines, right? Like they, they talked about headlines. Okay, Nash, I, I, headlines. I know where you're going here. <laughs> I know where they're going here. This is what they taught me in journalism school. At Hofstra University, one of the be- the second best like communications program behind NYU in the country at the time. They told you. They told me. I swear to God, I'm not really going to forget this. Write a headline that's going to catch the attention of the reader. You were saying? Yeah, and so uh, seems like they're trying to paint a picture here. Seems like they're trying to grab a certain viewer here to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> get yeah, their this, opinions it doesn't sound biased at all so like, let's, let's go into the, let's go into the moderator I don't know who it is I'm sorry um, quote CNN reported yesterday that Senator Warren confirmed in a statement you know what so you know it has to be true that you told her in 2018 that you did not believe a woman could win the candidate uh, could win the election why did you say that <laughs> Senator Warren confirmed a statement that she said happened. <laughs> now, not did you say that? Is this true? Your response. The question was, why did you say that? Now, here's my question. I want to ask this moderator and CNN. Why is Warren automatically 100% believed that Bernie is the liar? And why is it 100% fact that Bernie Sanders is the one lying? Oh, man. <laughs> that is <just> ridiculous. <laughs> Why'd you say it? <laughs> Why'd you say oh. it? So before we get into his response, I do I do want to point out um, a Twitter response to this whole debacle. This is from Julia Loffie, L-O-F-F-E, at Julia Loffie. If it's Lano, it's Loff or Loffie. But... I'm paraphrasing the back end of her, her tweet, but this is the back end and in, in quotes, quote, isn't the lesson of the hashtag Me Too movement in, in the last few years that we believe women and don't call them liars? Ugh. How ridiculous is that statement? Now, when it comes to the Me Too movement, when it comes, okay, when it comes, when it comes specifically to the Me Too movement, Sure, b- believe women. Yes, believe women. Take them seriously. Take their, their stories seriously. 100% believe them that in the man should be prosecuted? No, there's due process for that. But believe their statements and take them seriously. That's one thing. But believe all women? Always? Forever? No. I have a question for you, Nash. Uh, I have a question I'm, for you, I'm, Nash. I'm excited for Let's, it. Let's let's say that Elizabeth Warren had a discussion in 2018 with Tulsi Gabbard and Tulsi Gabbard comes out and says uh, Elizabeth Warren said that people of Hawaii are dirty savages, not real Americans. Elizabeth Warren comes out and says that never happened. Now, both the women, who do you believe? You kill the closest man standing next to them. 
<laughs> easy, like, easy. Cannot see how ridiculous this is. Which I mean, it's it goes. It's exactly like look back at that title. What do you get out of it? Okay, it's Elizabeth Warren, a lady firing back. Okay, so it's a lady attacking a man denying something about feminism. Boom. That's that. That's the whole thing right there. That's it's literally the whole thing. It's the title. They're they're just trying to make it look like she's doing something good and standing up for women when it's not the case. She's not a good politician. And <laughs> so so let's see what Bernie had to say. He goes straight up. First thing he says, well, as a matter of fact, I didn't say it. Now I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this because Trump, Trump, blah, 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 blah. Anybody who knows me know that it's incomprehensible that I would think that a woman cannot be president of the United States. So the moderator goes, so I want to be clear. You never said that a woman could not be the president. And Bernie Sanders goes, yes, that is correct. Never said it. Never. The moderator goes, Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sanders told you that a woman could not win the election? <laughs> Dude, <sighs> who's this moderator? Because they, they they're not smart either, or they're just bought a white. Wait, are they a woman? Uh, did I I'll did try I say to that against a woman? Uh, let me look at this article. Oh, it's a female. Uh, a female moderator. I just I'm done. Uh, I screwed myself on that one. <sighs> that is just. That's really dumb. I I don't I don't I don't know who it was, Nash, but I will tell you it was a woman of color. Oh god, I'm really done. Oh man. So, what was your reaction when he said it cuz it's a fact? So, and here's here's what gets better. When Bernie talks to you, uh, you Nash, you know what a lower third is? Like when on the news they have a little title sequence come up at the bottom yeah, and it yeah. says like a quote. An, yeah, so that's, that's a lower third. Little industry talk. Let me explain to you. Thank you. CNN puts up a lower third that reads: "Question: What did Warren think when Sanders talked to her about whether a woman could win the election?" Now, let me respond to you, CNN. That wasn't the question. <laughs> the question was: The question was, what do you think when Senator Sanders told you that a woman could not win the election? So CNN's kind of trying to CYA here, cover their ass. But I'm gonna link. I'm gonna link to this on our the YouTube video on Umadbo Pod, so you can check it out for yourself and see the ridiculous this is. Hashtag sources, but hashtag source. Yeah, yeah. And Elizabeth Warren, of course, she she says, um, I disagreed, and she went on to talk about yada 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 yada. And then the other woman who was on the debate asked, you know, a proper question: How do you feel about um, how how does that make you feel that Bernie Sanders might like might not think that a woman could vote for president? How do you respond to like the idea of a woman not being able to win? That's a more fair question because it's nothing to do with Senator Warren. Like that's a fair question. How do you respond to the idea that a woman can't win can't win the presidency? That's a fair question. Yeah, it, it eliminates but the use of something that allegedly happened. That to to literally say, what is your response? The Senator Sanders telling you this when he literally just said he didn't say it. So, 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 what? I win the quiet game. 
Yes, two for two. What did he okay. Um, we, we're not supposed to play the quiet game on the air. <laughs> all right, all right, Nash. Um, it, is, it gets even better. So after the debate, there was a, quote, a tense post-debate exchange between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. So, you know, after the debate, they all shake hands and, like, you know, they all cord with each other. Um, Elizabeth Warren walks up to Bernie. Bernie offers his hand to shake her hand, and she just completely denies him. He just goes, oh, whatever. And, um... They have a little exchange, which conveniently um, CNN had on camera. His camera was set up perfectly for it. And the mics were hot because, of course, they of were. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course they were. Of course. And you couldn't hear it on TV, but CNN released an exclusive. Exclusive. We accidentally ooh, got this exclusive had, and weren't trying to do this from the get-go. <laughs> yep. About, about exactly what they said. So Elizabeth Warren comes up to her and says, I think you called me a liar on national TV. Taylor goes, what? What? Hard of hearing. What? And she says again, I think you called me a liar on national TV. She goes, you know, he, and Sanders goes, you know, let's not do this right now. If you want to have this discussion, we'll have the discussion. And Warren goes, anytime. And Sanders continues and goes, you called me a liar. You told me. All right, let's not do this now. And he walks, <laughs> then he walks away. You know what? Props to Bernie Sanders. If I was Bernie Sanders, I wouldn't be having conversations alone with her anymore. <laughs> and respect to Bernie Sanders. Because if I was on that debate stage, I would have flipped my shit at that moderator. Like, I just said I didn't say it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Honestly, you saying that, that's probably what the purpose of this whole thing was. That way, she could sort of start attacking him. Without being the one that sort of broke their agreement to not attack each other. That's really what it sounds like. A huge setup. Where have we seen this before? Uh, but what's our hashtag Nashtag this week? Oh, yeah. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. That's right. Okay. Um, so Clinton's anti-itch ointment. Sean King has a great response to this on Twitter. Because this Twitter reacted, this is how you thought they would. Never Warren was trending the next day by Bernie supporters. This going on the attack on Elizabeth Warren, because Bernie has a lot of supporters, so don't just, you know. They kind of came back to bite him. But Sean King wrote, quote, when Bernie Sanders beat a Republican to win his congressional, his, his congressional seat 29 years ago, Elizabeth Warren was still a Republican. Only reason she never lost to a Republican is that she was a Republican for the first 47 years of her life. Whoa. Whoa. Woke. Woke. It amazes me that politicians can be a career politician on both sides of the aisle. It amazes me that we let career politicians happen when this is what you get at. Why don't senators have term why don't senators have term limits for House members? That's a that's a fair question that we should ask the signers, but you know, we can't. So, um, when it comes to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders after the debate, they are just not having it. Um, but the media is not. The media has been playing this up as a few. By the media, I mostly mean CNN. Like uh, Fox News had an article, which we'll get to. Um, Washington Post had a few. L.A. Times had one. Um, you know, the media was just going on mainly CNN. I had like I had like seven CNN articles this week. I couldn't fucking believe it. Um, Warren goes, quote, I have no further comment on this. She told reporters as she entered the U.S. Capitol for the start of the Donald Trump's impeachment trial on Thursday. 
quote, we are here right now at an important moment in American history, and that's why we need to keep focus on. So she's done talking about it, and Bernie's also done. Bernie ignored questions by CNN reporters on both Wednesday and Thursday as to whether he had anything to say about his confrontation with Warren. Uh, Jane O'Mara Sanders' wife said only this, quote, I think that this discussion is over. And CNN released an article immediately, why we shouldn't stop talking about the Sanders-Warren <laughs> fight. Get him, CNN. You got it. You got him. You got him in the bag. <laughs> uh, okay. So so here is here is this is an op-ed. Here is here is their defense of why we got to keep talking about it, which I'm not going to lie. A bad a bad way at getting to a good point. Um, so she says he said uh, the writer wrote Sanders and Warren are two to three. Two of the three or four Democrats with the best chance of winding up as the party's nominee this November. Fact. Two 2020 frontrunners are, as I write, saying that the other called them a liar over whether one of them said he didn't believe a woman could be elected as president in 2020. That's a big deal. And I go, is it? Is it really that big of a deal that one's calling the other one a liar and the other one's saying the other one's a liar? Is that a big deal? Or is that just politics? That It sounds like it sounds like Bernie doesn't want to play politics. I guess it is a big deal, but not for what they're alluding to. Okay. Expand on that. I'm curious. Well, because I imagine they're fighting for Warren in this. Okay. So from the article, quote, not liking that Warren and Sanders are fighting and or believing that it's counterproductive for the broader goals of liberals and Democrats is very is very different than saying that's not a story at all. You know, the argument is we should stop talking about this in particular when you have Donald Trump literally in the White House being a fucking moron. And, you know, like healthcare is a bigger issue. The set, the debt ceiling is a bigger issue. Like there's bigger issues to focus on than this fucking high school drama bullshit at lunch class. Um, and he's pretty much saying, he's pretty much saying, you know, saying something like that is different than saying it's not a story, to which I say, it's not a story. Yet here we are talking about it. Yeah. And I understand my hypocrisy in this. Naturally, I love people point out my hypocrisy, and I point out my own hypocrisy on this show because it's hundred percent true. Um, it happens. <laughs> yeah. We, when we do. We're human. Uh, political tweet. Political tweeted. Um, Ryan. 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 Lizza. <laughs> um, I love that name, Lizza. How do you get that? Um, on all of this, quote to to too good for this Twitter. One major candidate calling another a liar is a significant story. Presidential truth-telling is one of the most important issues of our time. When the top two presidential candidates publicly argue over which of them is a liar, it is, a, it is indeed a big deal. Which I agree. It is a big deal. But CNN's framing that Senator Sanders is lying and Elizabeth Warren is believe all women. You don't believe me? Just listen to the past 40 minutes. Presidential truth-telling? That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. There isn't an honest president. I'm sorry, that's just a fact. Every single person that's been a presidential candidate has ran on something that they just didn't do. It's a fact for every single one of them. Presidential truth-telling is non-existent. Never has been. 
And that's if we're being honest. That is if we're being honest. Literally, there had... <laughs> because if you're going to say, like, an honest president, you're probably talking about a president that wasn't even elected into office. So are they truthful if they didn't say anything before they were in office? Like, you can't really hold them to anything because they didn't say anything. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> they, they not- so here is here is how he wraps up his article. Quote, because if I think it's a here, that's actually the writer. I don't know. Quote, because if you want to be the Democratic nominee against the most truth challenged president in American history, then your commitment to honesty, no matter how uncomfortable, is the most utmost importance, which I just wrote. Good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that indeed. I will say I think Bernie's a pretty honest guy, but the thing is, if he got elected, he wouldn't be honest anymore. That's just a matter of fact. He can't do all the things he says he wants to do. Probably can't do most of them. Mm-hmm. He won't be able to. To, yeah. something that's not ne- to. to something that's not necessarily his fault, that's just how our politics works. That's how our government's set up. That's true, but it's just like, Jimmy Carter said he'd talk about aliens. Still waiting on that report. <laughs> Woodrow Wilson said I wouldn't create a big bank. I wouldn't create big banks. The Federal Reserve is created. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Bush Bush forty one said he wouldn't go to war. We went to war. <laughs> Read my lips. No new taxes, man. Like what? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's that's what it was. No new taxes. Then he had to do taxes. That's what it was. I'm sorry. That's why I have you on the show. All right. So I did want to kind of cover this from the right as well. So I found one Fox News article, and it covered Michael Moore. Bald. Bald. Now, Michael Moore is, if you don't know Michael Moore, he's a filmmaker, um, a petty filmmaker, that pretty much a very biased filmmaker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, his his films have been um, disputed, like um, challenged, and he'd been caught in a hoax saying that, he bought a gun. Um, it was easy to walk out with it, and the footage was kind of fake. And he came out and said it wasn't really fake, but it was proven to be fake. Uh, but whatever. More <laughs> Michael, it Michael fake, Moore. It's fake. <laughs> Mike, Michael Moore um, is a very strong left-leaning liberal, um, and has made many movies about that. That's pretty much what he makes his movies about. He makes those doc, those docu series, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like a little more credible Oliver Stone. Okay. It's like saying Oliver Stone's a historian. <laughs> All right, I get you, I get you, I get you. <laughs> Moving forward. So this is a quote from the Fox News article. Moore was so rattled over the exchange between the two 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls that he made it the subject of his Thursday's Rumble podcast with an episode titled The Sad Downfall of Elizabeth Warren. Boy, Michael, Michael Moore. Mike, first of all, Michael Moore was really upset by this. Like, really, really upset by this. Let me let me I'm paraphrase. Ha- I'm, I'm happy for him. <laughs> so he says, "Quote: <laughs> Elizabeth and Bernie have appeared in my films. I love them both. Why Elizabeth chose to stick a knife in Bernie's back oh, is beyond whoa. me. <laughs> At a time when the number one, when a, when when job number one is to remove Trump, how did this help? To which." He has a good point here. As much as I hate to say this, the Democrats' number one priority should be to get President Trump out of office because I do believe he is a more harm than good to the office of the presidency and the country as a whole. Now, I don't think CNN, uh, the news covers him fairly. I don't think the left keeps him fairly. But, you know, 
the, the left's number one goal, the Democrats' number one goal should be, how can we get this guy out of office? How can we win? This isn't helping anything. It's like, it's like in like preschool or something like there's the bully and like the bully like is picking on this kid, but the kid just doesn't react. So the bully just like finds another kid that reacts. Yeah. But Bernie isn't reacting either. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So he goes on to say, quote, I was paralyzed. Paralyzed. Jesus. That her, paralyzed. that her staffers would say such a thing. Michael Moore said on his podcast, quote, any of us who have known Bernie forever know automatically we don't even have to hear him denying saying it because there's no way he'd say that. Um, this, our, this we have man. one job right now, and that's to defeat Donald Trump. Remove him from the White House and let's fix the system that gave us Trump so we never get another Donald Trump again. That's what we should be spending time on doing. The fact that we're even talking about this on our podcast is taking time away from what we need to be doing. He added, quote, I'm thinking, what's going on here? I'm thinking on Monday night, I got so sad. I thought, quote, oh, my God. Are we going are we going to mark this date Monday, January 13th, 2020 as a day that Donald J Trump actually won re-election because the Democrats couldn't keep it together because we had to fight each other. Now there's a lot to unpack there. I don't know if anybody else is keeping that date, but you certainly are. That's yeah, just... I don't I I get what he's saying, but I think like he's doing in his films adding for dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Just a little bit here and there. <laughs> but the, ba the basis of his argument is Democrats are shooting themselves in the foot, which Classic. is something I have been saying since the dawn of this podcast. That Democrats lose because they're not united. So here's an example. Unrelated, unrelated politics, but related. So I have, a, I have a friend, and they identify as non-binary. And they also – that means her, their, their pronouns are they, them. But she understands she is a biological female. Um, notice I'm using her they, – I'm using their they, them pronouns. I'm trying to at least. And they, they were telling me yesterday that they had to get – they were going back on Tinder because they're trying to get on Tinder, whatever. And they told yeah, me that – Trying to get a piece on Tinder. We all know what a, a, is, a girl <laughs> or girl that they matched with said – they didn't like her because she wasn't queer enough. Oh, God, dude, that man, man, that dude, don't even get me started on that infighting crap. I hate this. I hate that kind right? of stuff. That's 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 what I'm trying to get into. Like, I'm because the LGBT community is mainly mostly the left. Right. And they fight with each other all the time. I asked I asked my friend, I was like. Is this something that you deal with often that, you know, the LGBT community is just so divided and, and, and inclusive and uh, exclusive? And they told me all the time, it's literally the worst. And yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what I think of as a Democratic Party. They all hate each other so much Yeah, they, that they shoot themselves in the foot. You can be part of our group. You know, we accept everybody here in our group unless you diverge the slightest amount from what we're all thinking and that's i don't ugh, i don't think i'll ever find myself as a democrat because of things like that that's just 
And honestly, me neither. Like, I, I want I, to be I, Democrat. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be accepted. <laughs> Not all my ideas match. Kill yourself. Like that. What? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? That's that's that's. And for for better or worse, the Republicans seem to always have each other's back. Always, even if they know they're wrong. Yeah. A big thing. And and the fact uh that Democrats can't get it together, which is what Moore is saying, and the fact that they keep themselves in the foot, mainly led by identity politics and just the the PC police, PC principal, and the PC babies, is the real reason why we got Donald Trump. Yeah. And I know I've said it before, like, isn't it just fundamentally hypocritical if you want to be all-inclusive, yet you're the one separating everybody by defining them? Here's a fun thing to do, like 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 Fleckus does on YouTube. Go to a rally, a Democratic rally, and say we and go to someone and say, Do you accept everyone here? And they go, Yeah, oh my god, it's great. We accept everyone inclusive. Go, I'm a Trump supporter. They'll tell you to get the fuck away and get away from me. Not very inclusive. No. At all. No, they're not. Well, it's sort of like a big thing, like when the gay rights uh I guess movement was sort of at an end after the Supreme Court ruled that they could be parents or whatever the thing was. They weren't allowed to be hated. <laughs> they weren't allowed to have haters. They're legally allowed like, to marry, legally allowed to adopt. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't. Uh, they're they're a protected group, or which I'm very left on. That's another one too. Marijuana, yeah. three. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, they finally got some, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> The big thing was just like how in the gay community, like you had to be to if you were gay, you had to be a Democrat. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why, do the, yeah. why do those two things determine each other? That, yeah, that, that is, that is a, big a thing. No, no, that is a good point, because as I mentioned earlier, you know, most of the LGBTQ community is liberal. But there are people who are Republicans and conservative and they are not accepted in their own communities. For being yeah. who they are. What does that sound familiar? Like, what's the point? Like, stop putting up that. that that's a sham. Like, stop putting that up. And when and when you have stories like this whole thing with Senators Sanders and Warren, yeah, this isn't news. This isn't a big deal. But it's worth talking about and worth covering because it's another. And I don't think I don't consider us news, Nash. Me and you are not news, by the way. God, no, we're not news. Um, like, this is we're another example. We're two idiots who read the news. <laughs> we're two idiots who read the news. This is Quotes, another example news. that Democrats just cannot get it together and they continuously shoot themselves in the foot. And they're, they're, in my opinion, their responses to these issues just are not, one, logical, two, possible, and three, ever going to get through Congress. So it's almost like, what's the point of being a Democrat? Exactly. And if like you keep siding with more radicalization, that doesn't help. You're just going to push people to even further extremes. That's not mm-hmm. beneficial. Nothing gets done like that. I kind of, I kind of do side. feel like, I kind of do feel like the left is pushing me to the right. Like, I'm like, I want to be left. I want to agree with you guys, but you make it so hard. It's so you it, hard. You make, it, you make it so hard. Cause if you sit down and think about it, it, it really is difficult. Mm-hmm. 
And I do think, on the right side of history, I do think like Medicare, like healthcare for the whole country, for all, is a very goal. It's a goal worth having because it's a utopian. It's a utopian society. Like you should build a. You should, should try and build a utopian society. Like, well, that's <laughs> utopia dystopia, friend. Utopia dystopia. Yeah, but you also have to live in reality. Like though the things Democrats believe in and stand for. To say you disagree with that is kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't agree that everyone should have health care. What, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? That's ridiculous. If, the thing is, this is a fun game you can play, you know, on your own. If you Seven days? are. Yeah. No, you got to play that with friends. Don't play that alone. You'll hate yourself. <laughs> I mean, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate it with friends, too, but it'll be better. If. You 100% agree with someone on everything. Is that true? Or are you just tricked? That's a big thing because humans, you know, people, we all have pretty general things we all like in common. But as an individual, we are all pretty different. We've all had different experiences, no matter who you are, that haven't been the exact same as somebody else. There have been minute differences. So 100% on everything is sort of impossible if you think yeah, about it. There is not one person, including Joe Rogan, I love that man, that I agree with or disagree with 100% of the way. Absolutely and not. If you, if you find yourself in that situation... One of the two people is lying. Either they are to you or you're lying to yourself. That's that's mm. all I got to say. about. And this. that's what that is why I love talking to people that disagree with me or agree with me. Um, I am in my young 20s. I am obsessed with different viewpoints on different issues. Like there was a girl at work. I mentioned her before. I think that we disagree on pretty much almost everything when it comes to policy and politics. But she's my favorite person to talk with because, one, she gives me new perspective on different things. And, two, we always find some sort of common ground. Even if yeah. it's, I understand why you think that. Or I understand why you have that viewpoint. Something like that even goes a long way when you're discussing with the uh, different opposing viewpoints. And with that being said, I encourage anyone listening to this who has a different viewpoint from us or the same viewpoint or similar viewpoints or whatever. Yeah. Come on the show. You are 100% more than welcome. Laugh with us. It's amazing. Genuinely, I like criticism. Please give mm -hmm. us criticism because you're probably going to show me something that I wasn't seeing. You're going to pull the wool off of my eyes that I didn't even know was there. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap up another edition of the You Mad Bro podcast. This has been You Mad Bro number 28. 70 minutes of Bernie impersonations. <laughs> That's what I'm naming this thing. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more, make sure you go over to ambiguousproduction.com for our full archives. Make sure you find us anywhere podcasts can be found. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, SoundCloud is coming. Um, as well as Ooh. any and all other podcast platforms you like this network make sure you check out our other shows as including GDP with Jared Laverne which is going to be coming back as soon as Nash gets his ass up here as well as uh, the Sam Bissell podcast covering movies and entertainment news Oscar season is here 
um, who got snubbed in his nominations. Here's Sam Flair's podcast on what he thinks of the nominations and what's happening with award season. I might do a guest spot on his show come post-Oscars because oh. I fucking love the Oscars. Um, I got to see more of the movies first. Um, as well as the Daily Grind coming maybe next week, if not the first week in February, which is about Kelly Johnson in the state of Illinois um, doing a Daily Grind podcast, pretty much speaking to um, people who live the Daily Grind and motivational aspects and a whole lifestyle podcast. So be tuned to all that. And we'll, of course, you Medbro Podcast, you Medbro Pod on Instagram, you Medbro Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and of course, everything else. Nash, I have one very important question to ask you. Wow. Are you ready? Are you ready to fight the horde? Oh my god, I'm always ready, dude. Alright, we'll be back next week as long as you stay angry.